Welcome into the Housing Hour with Kevin Ray, a locally produced program devoted to bringing you a fresh perspective on housing, diving into the issues that matter most. The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray is presented by Mortgage Investors Group. And now, Kevin Ray. Welcome into the Housing Hour. This is Kevin Ray. I am your host here with Mark Griffith, our executive producer and co-host. Thank you all for joining us. Uh, very excited to have uh, everyone here. Thank you for listening. And I want to tell you guys real quick how to plug in with us. You can go to thehousinghour.com. That is the uh, treasure trove of information. You can go there and uh, locate past shows, current shows, uh, share that with friends and family. Um, we're also on Facebook, so you can go to our Facebook page uh, by simply going to facebook.com slash thehousinghour. Uh, on Twitter as well, at The Housing Hour. And also, you can look at all of the recipes that Mark has posted <laughs> on Pinterest as well. So check him out uh, there. So we're excited to be in studio today, and we're excited to have our guest because this is a, a vital, important topic to our community. Certainly, he um, is someone who handles a lot of responsibilities as it relates to food safety and all of the things that go into making sure that our food stream is safe and um, we have have Kevin Clark, who is the fr- the food program manager. Is that your official title? Yes. yes. Health, Knox County Health Department. Okay, awesome. Kevin Clark, he is uh, with the Knox County Health Department, and he is the lead for the food program management of of our of all of our restaurants. So, um, so is, what happens is, and all of you all have seen the scores, and when you go into your favorite restaurant, I always look for it when I go in. I mean, it's just it's, I, it's just a habit. I don't know why. Well, because you worked in the food industry, as many people have, because I do it too. Mm-hmm, absolutely, and. Um, you find the score. It's on the yellow piece of paper normally, I think, with the red uh, nu- you know, letters and numbers. If it's a low score, it's usually harder to find. <laughs> well, <laughs> it has to be posted in an inconspicuous place. Um, but the cool thing is that we have Kevin in because we were talking off air a little bit about it. And I want to first give Kevin the opportunity to give us that 30,000-foot view of what he does, what you do, what sort of – what is your job cover? You've been there for how long now? About five years. So you, you've been in this for a while. So you clearly um, you've established yourself as, as being good at what you do. Um, but give us that, that sort of overview of what your department does and what you do. Well, we run a number of public health programs. Our food program being the largest one, mm-hmm. uh, we have about 2,600 food establishments that we inspect. Wow. Uh, from retail grocery stores to obviously your fast food uh, and complex restaurant environment that we uh, monitor uh, at least twice uh, a year, unannounced inspections in each of those locations. If there's a situation where there are issues uh, with priority violations, we could be in a place three or four times a year. Uh, If there's a a foodborne outbreak, uh, that would obviously warrant us to be in there uh, more, uh, we may have to close a place down temporarily to mitigate the risk, mm-hmm. uh, make sure everything is safe, and then reopen the establishment in that event. And that's really your key functions because, I mean, when you talk about having someone uh, or a restaurant that uh, isn't up to par, you know, we were talking off air a little bit about some of the restaurants might. Uh, disagree, whatever the case may be, um, you have a process that you go through and you um, make sure, obviously, that your inspectors are all trained up. But let's step back a moment. How many inspectors do you have? 
We have 10 inspectors primarily that cover the county. That's 2,600 establishments, right? And that's give or take, obviously, because you're inspecting not just restaurants. We're talking, for instance, uh, Kroger's, you know, or all these other uh, establishments that have food. And I guess there's a standard or a definition of, of what you inspect. And if there's food being served or prepared, that's in your wheelhouse, right? Yes, uh, everything really in 2015, we adopted the food code, uh, FDA food code, and it's the 2009 version. Mm -hmm. And it's based on the five risk factors that cause foodborne illness. This is science-based, evidence-based, basically the the five things that can make you ill when you're out in an establishment. So Mm -hmm. we're now very focused on those five risk factors, and everything is very transparent for the food operators. They know what we're looking for. Uh, because the education and training has been there with the adoption of the food code. So I think it's a it's more of a partnership now between the, the food operator and the inspector. Uh, they're looking at the same thing, and, and it's not much of a guessing game as it was before when we were under a really old, uh, outdated food code uh, and before that was, 2015. So you adopted that code um, based on scientific evidence and whereas before it was we have sort of something that we fill out and maybe yeah at the end of the day those five you know principles may have been in there somewhere but it's just a more of a standardized type of format is that what you're saying i guess yeah and it's more weighted to what actually matters the five risk factors that make people what are the yeah that's a good good (laughs) follow-up yeah yeah well uh the first thing would be improper uh holding temperatures Mm. so you always say Cold food, cold, hot food, hot. So making sure that those food items are are not in the temperature danger zone where they're growing bacteria. Um, They also have to have a digital or a thermometer reading to confirm that those items are in temperature. If the health inspector says your chicken is at 55 degrees and they tell the operator that, well, it's it's too late. They're not monitoring their own temperature. So Mm. I tell Food operators, you need to know the temperature of what you've got in your coolers before the inspector tells you you're out. It's right. too late then. So If they're letting you know what the temperature is, there's a problem. And if it's low, that's right. an issue. Right. Right. So or that's, if it's too high, rather. Right. Yeah. So, you know, temperature monitoring uh, would be one. That's one. Okay. In, improper cooking temperatures. Uh, mm-hmm. The temperature gauge, you've got to cook your chicken to 165 in order to kill salmonella. Mm-hmm. 155 for ground meats for... Uh, you know, so we have that temperature range. We the cook has to have that knowledge of, hey, what are you cooking that chicken to today? If mm-hmm. they say, oh, I don't know, or you know, when I touch it, I know it's right. right. Well, you've got to verify again with a metal stem thermometer that mm-hmm. you're actually cooking that that to the proper temperature. Let me just get in the weeds a little with yeah. this question because, look, so an inspector when he does he or she comes in, um, is is it sort of like a uh, what am I trying a secret shopper? You know, that's what I'm trying to relate it to because you know they could know like you're coming. Do they know you? I guess that's the question. Do they know you're coming? No, it's always unannounced. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we do have to announce, you know, and say who we are. When we walk into an establishment, we have our badge. We announce that we're with the health department. We're there to conduct a routine mm-hmm. health inspection. I bet you they're just. I mean, even if they know they're good, you know, you come and tell somebody that, and they're just like, "Oh my goodness," you know, they probably are fine, but. Yeah. I'm sure that gives them a little bit of anxiety. Yeah, you can definitely see the scramble effect or the, right. the look. Uh, and then if they go back and if if they're back there for a minute or two and they're not coming back mm. out, eventually the inspector's just going to walk on back. But mm-hmm. typically they'll give 
that little window of, hey, let the manager know if it's just a host or a hostess at the door. Mm-hmm. And, but if it takes too long, they're going in. They're not going to give them and they have minutes. Uh, they have authority under, I guess, state law to be able to go inside of wherever they need to go based upon the legislation that was passed a long time ago, I'm uh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. It's in the law that a permit holder has to make themselves available at all times that their door is open to the public mm-hmm. uh, for those inspections. We also conduct complaint inspections, which are in addition to the routine inspections. Okay. If you're at a restaurant, you see a guy pull out a cell phone behind the cook line and then plate up your food, and you call uh, the health department and say, yeah. hey, I saw that. We're going out to, to talk with the manager, mm-hmm. monitor that behavior as well, which is a good, you know, it's a good way to check and balance what's going on when we're not there uh, yeah. as well. And I, I had somebody uh, make, prepare us um, – a uh, chocolate milkshake mm-hmm. and they overfilled it. Mm-hmm. They didn't realize I was looking through the window in the preparation area. And they sucked some of that out of the straw. They, they sucked it. Uh, they sucked <laughs> no, they it did not. They did. Stop oh, it. Mark. I saw it. There's no possible I've got proof with this. <laughs> you saw someone they, over. They, yeah. They, they, uh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> they, that... they, they took a big swig because it was overflowing. And then set it up on the top. <laughs> I said, no, 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 no. We'll talk about that one after the show. <laughs> no, actually, they're closed now. They See, was up I on Western, Western I hate Avenue. to say it. I, I would have taken things into my own hands at that point. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. Well, so um, we're going to get back to the other four um, principles because I, I love it. Because And also on your all's website, you can download a free training that I guess you would I mean, it doesn't even necessarily have to be restaurant owners. I mean, if you're interested in this, um, it appears that, you know, you guys created this online food and safety training program. Is that what that that's your all stamp of approval, right? It's under the Knox Health Department website. Yeah, that's on our website under environmental health. If you mm-hmm. go into the food protection uh, tab, you'll see yeah. online food safety training. And that's a free training that we developed for food safety workers. Mm-hmm. Uh to, to get certified as well and just provide another level of training for the risk factors. So when the manager talks to them, they they know the verbiage. When the inspector yeah. talks about them, they're speaking the same language. That's and, really uh, yeah. yeah, that's really good. So in the last five years that you've been there, there's been a lot of changes in communication with the public's probably been one of the biggest things I'm seeing so far. And for like, for instance, my sister, she's very concerned about these types of things. So someone who might have a little extra time to go, they could also go through that, I would assume, because it's downloadable. It's a PowerPoint. We're going to continue with Kevin Clark from the Knox uh, Health Department right after these messages. Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what's really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. Welcome back into the Housing Hour. This is Kevin Ray. I am your health inspector for today. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Um, I am the host of the Housing Hour. We do have Kevin Clark in studio with us, and Kevin has been kind enough to give us some time uh, today and uh, just give us some more information about uh, how it is that Knox County uh, Health Department protects the public uh, from potential harm as it relates to the food stream and businesses. There's over 2,600 uh, businesses that 
is under their inspection throughout the year. And he was also explaining that, you know, they may see someone uh, restaurant three times in a year, potentially, if there if there's a follow up or something. But is it normally, Kevin, and we're going to get back to the five uh, key principles, but is it normally um, a situation where you're going to see them once for sure? Or is that how it goes? Like they're going to get inspected one time, guaranteed. Yeah, there's low-risk places that do potentially non-hazardous food items. Mm-hmm. Maybe they just do donuts or it's a candy shop. Uh, mm-hmm. So there are some that we just do once a year, and, and we break that down into risk categories. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're a risk category two, you're a complex kitchen, then we're going to be there oh. twice. If you're a one, uh, something very, very low risk, uh, you don't cool foods down. It's right. just basically shelf-stable stuff. We're not going to spend a lot of time. We want to spend our time in the areas where there's the most risk. Well, I feel, I mean, I just in the first segment, I feel more comfortable about Knox County's food preparedness based on the person that's in charge, just solely on your knowledge and sort of his grasp for this. Because, you know, some people think about, oh, the scoring system, like when you hear the Don Dare, and it's sort of sensationalized a little bit. And, um, you know, the, the and, and there is an important piece of public awareness. Um, but they're also, Kevin's team is also doing a very important job, and that's through education. And also, they're not out there to beat people over the head with these issues. They're trying to educate educate. Um, and then he also spoke about the cultural um, differences in some of maybe the authentic food that might have a little different way of doing things. Um, and I'm sure, Kevin, that you've had your fair share of moments where um, you guys had to sort of just come together and try to figure out, hey, here's what the minimum standard is. I, I totally understand and respect the authentic you know, the piece that you're trying to make authentic. But let's let's try to find some even playing ground. I mean, how have you tackled that? I think it's still just really reaching out um, mm-hmm. and try to break through those cultural barriers, whether mm-hmm. it's a language uh, we barrier. We have a lot of tools. We have a Spanish-speaking environmentalist who does mm-hmm. a lot of Spanish classes and training. Uh, if there's a situation in one of those concepts, she can come out and really help us uh, work with good. the operator there. If it's uh, you know a different thing, we've got Chinese uh, learner mm-hmm. learning tools as well with Mandarin. Uh, mm-hmm. So trying to break through into those markets and making sure they understand the five risk factors and what we're really presenting. Some some of these things get really complex and it's hard to get I love through it. those. Barriers. I love that you've made it so simple though. It's five risk factors, right? And everything falls in those buckets. So it's. Like you said, speaking the same language, we've got the five risk factors and anything and everything in the inspection report is going to fall under one of those one of those buckets. So you said the first one. Why don't you go ahead and tell me the other ones and I won't interrupt you. Oh, yeah. We'll we'll move to hand washing okay. and uh, employee hygiene. Mm-hmm. And those are some of those things that we see when we're out. We see somebody making a mistake or talking on the phone or, or and then working behind the line or taking money and then mm. handling food and not washing their hands or going to the bathroom and coming back in and not washing their hands. So this portion really falls under the managerial control of the operation, which mm-hmm. we really put a fo- focus on that the manager certified. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have to monitor that behavior and, and hold them accountable for washing hands, proper glove use. Uh, the illness policy also rolls into this mm-hmm. risk factor. One of the ways that people get sick by going out are from infectious workers working while they're ill. Mm -hmm. Uh, So making sure that that manager is also monitoring his staff. Uh, Workers need to get paid. They need to work that check. And they may come in and say, oh, I had a little 
episode this morning. That, was, I'll, that I'll wasn't work through me. it, and I'll be a hero. That wasn't uh, me. I would I would say, hey, I'm I'm sick. I'm not coming in. But you're right. They're and, trying to because they got to provide. I mean, they're in situ- situations. Absolutely. So the illness policy is something we talk about verbally, not only with the manager. We ask the employees, do you know the five symptoms of mm. of illness that you have to be excluded, and and they need to know that they can't work when they've had vomiting and diarrhea and mm-hmm. fever and sore throat. If they just have a cold, what about that? Um. If they're not having a fever or, or diarrhea and sore throat, mm-hmm. they're okay. They just need to uh, make they, they need to make sure they're washing and proper let me, glove use. I know that I said I wasn't going to interrupt you, but but you brought up the the use around the register. I used to work at Atlanta Bread Company in Atlanta, and um, of course Atlanta Bread Company. Although I think there were the other states, but anyway, so you know I would be preparing. This is two thousand nineteen ninety nine somewhere in there. So you'd be back there and, you know, somebody would order, you know, a bagel with cream cheese and I'd like it toasted. Okay. You do that work. And, and, and at some point you got to take the money, right? So you, you take the gloves off, you throw those away, you take the money, you have to get a new pair of gloves. But I see so many times today that people are taking the gloves off and sitting them there, taking the money and then washing their hands and then using the same gloves. Is the, is the recommend or is the rule that they have to use a new pair? Yes, you can't reuse gloves in any situation. Right, you shouldn't try to wash gloves uh, mm. or reuse. So yeah, yeah they de- they need to throw those out each time. It's yeah, a single use. Well, and 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 so I had a ma- my manager there at Atlanta Bread Company. He said his name was Tom, and that's not going to narrow it down. This is years ago, but he said he said Kevin, you know, hey, you know, you you don't you don't need to reuse those gloves. He said, matter of fact, I'd rather you just use your hands, and because he suggested that there's actually less germs just on some on clean hands than on latex gloves. Is there any truth to that? There is some truth to that. Um, you don't have to wear gloves doing everything. If you're out sweeping up in the dining room with mm-hmm. gloves on a broom, what sense does that make? <laughs> right. So we, we do see that mistake. People think they have magic gloves on, so they're just going to wear their gloves <laughs> magic hands. all day, uh, sweep, take the trash out, and then right. take the money, and then make your food. No. With the same gloves? It's, right. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, we see that. Oh, yeah, my yeah, Absolutely. The, the worst-case scenario. Yeah. But it's all in the application. Yeah. No bare hand contact with ready-to-eat food. Is, is a risk factor. That's something that has to be accomplished, but mm-hmm. that doesn't mean gloves. A, a tong is a barrier. True. Wax paper is a mm-hmm. barrier. So if you're never coming into contact with those food items that are ready to eat, you're okay. Uh, you know, so so we try to also let people know that. Yeah, because the scientific yeah. piece of that, you, you don't want the science is you don't want anyone touching food with their bare hands that's going to be consumed. Is that? A hundred percent out of the time. That's ready to eat. If it's going to go okay. through the cooking process, it's okay to okay. touch it with bare hands. But you have to wash hands in between. Prior you to can't that. go handle the broom and then make the pizza. You, if you handle the broom, you need to wash your hands, then put the cheese on the pizza. If your concept right. allows you to not wear gloves, which some people do in the pizza concepts, because mm-hmm. that's going to go through a six hundred and fifty degree oven. Right, nothing can survive that environment, right. so it's going to come out safe. Sometimes not even the pizza. I've had some places; it's not <laughs> any good. So right. that's really interesting. So that's number two is is hygiene and also hand washing in in, in the illness piece of that. So is that number two or is that number three? three Sorry, it kind of rolls into okay, one, go. two, three, and four. Okay, uh, with those with the, okay with the illness policy and and hand washing and glove use, no bare hand contact. 
Now, you know, you think about, and Mark, you've worked in the restaurant industry. You cut pickles on the floor or whatever Mm -hmm. you said that you did. And I also worked at Kentucky Fried Chicken when I was 16. I worked at Big Ed's Pizza. I worked, like I said, I worked at Atlanta Bread Company. I worked at um, another restaurant. I can't remember the name of it. But it seemed like every manager that I worked with had a little bit different sense of urgency when it, as it related to food safety. And, you know, Tom was a guy from New Jersey and not to say any people from New Jersey don't follow food, but he was just very much more laid back. What responsibility, and then we'll finish this up. What responsibility does the employee have, um, for following these rules? Like if they know because they've maybe taken the course, but it's not like a managed thing like you would expect for it to be. Um, do they hold any accountability? Like, could they be fired for uh, an inspector seeing multiple, you know, uh, instances of them doing the same thing over and over? That would just depend on the company's policy. Okay, so uh, it you guys could not take that role. Okay. Right. But each person in the food uh, establishment has the same responsibility. If the manager makes the handling error, or if the food worker makes the handling doesn't error, it, it doesn't matter. They made the mistake uh, there. So we're going to address that, correct the behavior immediately, which is something that, that we really take pride in with this code is that we get corrective action on all items. Mm-hmm. If we just tell you what you did wrong and walk away, then you know there's a risk still there. So we want to make sure with each mistake or priority violation that occurs – that they understand uh, the ways that they can correct that action and, and hopefully not repeat it the next time. Wow. I didn't realize this was, this was so organized and so well thought out and so scientific. I honestly, I didn't, I, I mean, I read the scores and I see the, you know, cause the right there, it has the questionnaire. I mean, you get to see pretty much exactly but what you feel doing. safe going out and eat at restaurants today. Oh yeah. And, and maybe, why. and maybe I would have felt that way prior to meeting Kevin, but I certainly feel better yeah. about that now. Um, and I'm going to make sure that my friends and family get to listen to this show because it's important. Mm-hmm. People get scared about that type of thing. And I hear people talk about it a lot. We're going to continue with Kevin right after these messages. Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what's really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. Welcome back into the Housing Hour. Again, it's Kevin Ray here uh, with a great uh, guest today, Kevin Clark with the Knox County Health Department. He is the food program manager um, there, and we've been discussing how it is that we keep our food stream safe and you know the it doesn't happen through osmosis it doesn't happen just by happenstance you have to actually have a formula to inspect correct and then hopefully the educate part because and maybe well obviously the educate part comes first but if you have a repeat offender then um you know you're not just going to shut them down immediately there's going to be a process that they go through can you talk um, a little. Did we finish the five principles, or there one more? Well, we didn't hit cross contamination. So okay, we'll let's go there first, quickly. and then we'll come back to that. Uh, it's just sanitizing in between different tasks in the food uh, 
food production, if you've got raw chicken, mm-hmm. you obviously don't want to be making a salad right beside where you're right. cutting up a raw chicken. So yeah. keeping those tasks separate. Or a live then, chicken, for that matter. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then sanitizing in between uses with an approved sanitizer. A lot of times that's chlorine bleach uh, mm-hmm. solution or quaternary ammonia. And then making sure your dish machine is actually sanitizing correctly. We go into places mm. – and if they're out of sanitizer or the the high temp, uh, just run it through the working. rinse cycle. It's yeah. fine. No, it's yeah. not good. That's so, not fine. And if that's not working, then you've yeah. got bacteria growing. Uh, also, people can spread their own germs if they've got a virus and they eat and that's on their plate. Oh, if it doesn't get sanitized, yeah. then that's going out to the buffet to the next customer. So, oh. do you ever so, swab equipment? We do in a situation where we have an outbreak. Uh, we do environmental testing and we swab uh, areas for different viruses or different bacteria um, that have shown up. If so outbreak. if we had a big outbreak, <clears throat> this is just me thinking through this. If we had a big outbreak, it's kind of like the, and let me ask you if this is how it would work. Sort of like when there's a, uh, a crime that occurs in a city and it's a big enough crime that the FBI comes in and takes over the control of that investigation. If you had like an outbreak of, whatever it might be, does the CDC come in and work in collaboration with you? Or how does that work? Yeah, we work in partnership uh, with the state level. You know, mm-hmm. first, typically, unless it's a recall with packaged retail meats, then, you know, USDA uh, would mm. come on board just depending oh, yeah. on. But the USDA probably has their own yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. But we work with them if mm-hmm. we've got to send uh, meats or something to their lab and, and we're all on the same call between FDA, the state, the local jurisdiction, and then also uh, USDA. I've been on that type of call. Before. Yeah, because there's been. I mean, there's has not been maybe that many outbreaks, obviously, from a food standpoint. And and I can't recall the last real big deal. Do you have that in your memory bank in Knoxville? I can't even think of any. That's the milk. Good, the milk. Well, there's okay. yeah, that was a, a recent one, but but really not anything in in permitted food establishments in the last couple of years. Have we had a large scale? You mm-hmm. know, we've had some small things that pop up and immediately. Our goal is to go in and stop transmission, and that could be just norovirus spreading around uh, from a point source. So mm-hmm. it's not the the big cases that you see maybe in the in the news or that makes headlines. Uh, right, it, it's just something that's more handled there was internally. A, there was a, a local restaurant chain that uh, had a salmonella, uh, no E. coli break breakout, and one of the employees of Mortgage Investors Group got sick. Really? How long ago was this? Um, probably seven years ago. Was that um, Jason Dobbs? Yes. He had jaundice as a result of yes. that. Yeah, I remember that. I was actually going to bring that up. Yeah, that was, and I'm not, we won't throw the people under the bus. I'm sure they've corrected, have corrective action or they wouldn't still oh, be yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, that was a big deal. I remember that. And a lot of people did get sick and, and, and you know, those things happen. Um, but now that we've discussed the cross-contamination, which is the fifth pillar, I guess, um, what are the steps, uh, let's say, if a restaurant has a, a sub-70 score? What's the minimum score? Um, well, you're failing if you're below 70. Okay. Then then we're going to follow that up with another inspection. Right. If you make that low of a score, you've got a lot of priority violations. Mm. Um, so, obviously, that's that's a big deal to get that corrective. Uh, Do you shut them down? Um, there's a process. If you get repeat violations, the same priority violations in consecutive inspections, then you're showing that, you know, the behavior is not changing or they're not mm-hmm. getting it. There's a disconnect between 
what we're telling them are the priority violations and what they're doing in yeah. the food production. So uh, after that second repeat violation, we have the ability at that point in the food code and in our state law to call them into environmental court, potentially revoke their their permit if it was that bad of a situation. Mm. Typically, the, these are things that we can work through uh, together before we get to that point. But it gives us the flexibility after two repeat priority violations that if a place is out of control and they're really being dangerous, then we can bring them in and revoke the permit Mm -hmm. uh, if we had to do that. Now, I I can see where if someone did have repeat um, offenses of the same exact violation, you know, there's got to be something. So is the workflow for you to size up? Uh, what's going on and then maybe even go out on site on the premises and just kind of just, Hey, let's, let's talk about this just so that you can get a sense of, you know, maybe it was just a random mistake and it, there's a explanation. Do you go there before you go to the environmental court? Yes. That's, that's something that I work on uh, to support the environmentalists who do the inspection. Mm-hmm. So They've had a couple priority violations in a row. Uh, they're trying to train them. They're not getting through. So mm. I'm going to step in as that next step and put them on what's called a long-term risk control plan. Okay. And I'm going to spell out very clear to them and have them sign off on this is what you're repeating on the behavior. You don't have managerial control over this item. These are our recommendations. Mm-hmm. Do you understand that if you don't get this right, you can be in environmental court and potentially have your permit revoked? Yeah. That usually uh, you know, gets their attention. <laughs> that's a motivating uh, if, factor. If there's a, you know, because that's not their goal, uh, no. obviously, to have their, their permit revoked because they're out of control yeah. on an item. So we get compliance with that. It, it, it's a partnership at that point. Uh, but we do have to make sure that we're protecting the public. And, and if we've got a place that's out of control, then we've got to do what we got to do there. Yeah, because, I mean, a restaurant owner is in business. And I have another follow-up question to this, but they're in the business to make money, obviously, but also to stay in business and to be able to continue what they're doing. If they don't have the desire to make changes and be um, willing and show a willingness, then that long-term plan is going to ultimately um, magnify for them and and make it easy to say, hey, it's time for you guys uh, to have more serious consequences because we've written you up in, so to speak, you've gotten your score. We've made that public. Now we're on the third time here, guys, we need to really take. So do you really want to be, I mean, seriously, the question could be, I mean, do you guys want to actually be in business? And maybe the answer is no at that point, because they've clearly exhibited uh, a desire to not follow the rules. I wonder how often has that occurred? I mean, because I don't ever see businesses really. No, it's big. very rare. It's got to be Is rare. It, or maybe it's not rare, like meat. Well, that's that's a process that would be internal. You wouldn't necessarily hear about that. Right. Um, you know, the, the scores, the inspections get reported, but mm-hmm. the internal workings of the process don't really get worked into the media, mm-hmm. so to speak. So, But a revoking of someone's uh, permit, has that occurred? Okay. Is that regular or is that just rare? Uh, it. it it's rare, uh, but it has occurred. Uh, we have done that. And then we don't, if, if it's that situation and they're still trying, they're not saying, yeah, we, we just, we've we given give up. up. Right. And we that, give up. That's happened. But <laughs> I you know, know if, sure if they're still trying and they're just really struggling to get control and get training and, and their staff uh, in the right direction, then, then we'll close it at that point 
it could be for 24 hours, and then we'll take them in and do a training for all the managers, all the staff. And when our director thinks that, you know, they'll give us that leniency of if you trust that they're ready to reopen, then we're going to reopen them. Yeah. So I we see. don't just close them and walk away. You know, yeah. our, our job is also to train and educate uh, in that situation and, and support them as well. You know, Mark, in your day job at MIG, mm. I, one of the things that are, is similar, I think, to I, I don't know how I'm going to make this parallel, but um, there's not always a right and wrong uh, response. So, like, we give managers great discretion to make decisions based upon their own experience and their knowledge rather than coming in and micromanaging a black and white, just this is it, this is this violation. And so that's what I see you guys doing. You guys um, have been given maybe some more discretion because you have that trust of the director, I'm sure, and whoever else that you're going to make the right choice. But sometimes, because I was I was involved in this, I worked at another location and their biggest problem was getting the the uh, the air refrigeration cold enough mm-hmm. because their equipment was old. And so the, they kept on getting warnings about that through the health department. And But the investment to buy new equipment was more than they had. Mm. So they came to a crossroads. Yeah. And in those types of situations, there has to be a decision based, based upon um, just for the health of the, of, of the public at large. Because if you have old equipment, then you need to maybe go to the bank and see about getting an investment, um, maybe a remodel or whatever that case is. And, and if you're not able to do that, then then maybe you didn't think through your business plan the correct way. I'm just saying. We're going to be right back after these messages. continues helping you understand what's really going on out there and what to do about it again kevin ray thank you for coming back into the housing hour this is kevin ray thank you all for joining us and i hope you've enjoyed the program so far i certainly have Um, we're talking with kevin clark from knox county health department um, and he is the food program manager there and we've had a series here of public health and um, i guess the other uh, guests that you had you tackle some really important issues. That, oh, West Nile virus. Yes. I mean, obviously, that's it's And that's come up important. a couple of times in the Knoxville News Sentinel. We reposted that and gotten a lot of interaction. Definitely. And, you know, talking about when the, is that they spray for it and what neighborhoods, how well, how does that schedule look? And so that's those are important things that we tackled, that you tackled. And, and now we're talking about something that's that's maybe as important, if not more important, because we all eat out a lot. Right. Um, but not just that, you know, you go, if you buy, um, if you buy food from a butcher, maybe you go to Publix, maybe you go to, uh, Whole Foods or wherever it is. Um, they have a rating, they have a score right in that department. So do you have in, in different, um, supermarkets, if that's the right term, um, do you have multiple areas that you inspect and they have their own separate score or is it just one score? Basically, it'll just fall under one score, uh, okay. except the sushi concept, which would be mm-hmm. a separate inspection. 
But now the inspector goes into the deli, into the hot bar, into the bakery, into the meat department, each department, and even all the aisles get checked in the uh, the, the casing. So mm-hmm. everything, if there's a violation in any of those areas, it counts against them, uh, and they've got to get that corrected. Now, in those areas, they do have quite a bit of support and, and training within those programs, those large concepts that have mm-hmm. third-party audits and and they're very much in line and in tune with the food code. So typically they, they have very strong programs uh, in those retail markets. Okay, here's the next uh, question that I have. If you have a national chain, right, that's, you know, it, yes, you have the manager there, but then you also have obviously, you know, the CEO of the company and his or her subordinates and a whole stream of regional managers and district managers, and you have just a multi-million dollar companies that you guys are inspecting. I mean, just because you have a national chain and you might have the golden arches, that doesn't mean that you're not coming in and doing an inspection. Um, but we're not talking about McDonald's. But if you have a situation like that, um, and you know, you know that this is a big deal because they have huge clout within the restaurant industry. And that's what I like about you guys being independent and unbiased and a governmental agency. Um, but do you handle those any differently? Do you, is there a chain of command where you guys uh, bring the alert to just the manager or do you need to make the, is there like a district manager that needs to know? If they make that request and they've called me and, and want me to you know send any specific yeah. priority violations to the general manager because they're going to really get onto that manager quickly and, and get mm. that corrected internally because they have that type of ownership uh, in the process, then yeah. by all means, it just helps us get compliance, whether that's a third-party auditor mm. or that's a GM that's really hands-on. Yeah. So you know we welcome all levels of you know, how, whatever it takes for them to have a, a safe restaurant, we'll, we'll support that. Now there is there, are there companies, are there restaurants? And I think you just said that, and, but I think maybe the terminology I didn't understand that have their own auditors. I mean, they're like the health department comes in. They're just, it's, it's going to be the same every time because this is our workflow. And we have these auditors that come in randomly that check us. Do, is, do you have people that have that? Yeah, absolutely. A lot of your large-scale concepts that have big budgets, uh, right. national exposure, they're going to try to have that safety net in between the regulatory authority, uh, a, just to have them so they don't have lawsuits, lost mm-hmm. revenue, uh, foodborne yeah. illness outbreaks, which can ruin your reputation. If mm-hmm. you're in the news for making a bunch of people sick, your sales are obviously going to go down as well. Yeah. Uh, if there's God forbid a fatality or something mm. like that. You've got uh, dollars lost in lawsuits, and then that also on your conscience at night. Yeah. So, well, I mean, a food poisoning yeah. for a restaurant is equal to a data breach for a bank. I mean, it, it's that serious. And you know, J.P. Morgan, for instance, had that huge data breach, and it cost them a billion dollars, and they spend two hundred and fifty million a year on fraud protection. So, it just gives you just an example of. If you're a restaurant owner, even if you're local, maybe your budget isn't as big, you still might should have some other policies in place. And a lot of times you think of uh, just small um, operations having health issues. Mm-hmm. You don't think of the larger ones having right. health issues. Well, the ones I the, the glove thing was a national. Yeah, well, and, and, and which proves that they all have issues right. and they all need to be checked out. So, um, yeah. I mean, the yeah. smaller ones equally, but. Yeah. Now, I don't know how much time we have left, but I, I I feel like I've been talking the whole time. But we have five and a half, five minutes roughly left. Was there other items that you would like to maybe get out there as a public service uh, or or am I okay with my questioning? 
<laughs> no, I think you got everything pretty much spot on there. Okay. Um, you know, when it comes down to some of those places that have more resources and more training and more, uh, you know, ways to catch mistakes that might be uh, made, it still comes down to managing employee behavior as being mm-hmm. the riskiest thing that yeah. can, can get you. Uh, even if you have a great system where you cook this burger to for this long and it comes out at 175 degrees, 100 out of 100 times, and you've got all these different protocols that are great. One person. One one bad employee yeah. doesn't care about your business or you know goes to the restroom and doesn't wash their hands, mm-hmm. comes back in and mishandles things. That's how problems occur. Yeah. So. Even with all those, you know, steps in places and processes, it comes down to manage, managing those uh, employees and, and holding them accountable for food safety. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I have a question about what's the most um, problematic period in a calendar year? Is it, it during the heat summer months? What, what's what's an issue? Typically, as it gets cold, uh, probably December through the end of February, maybe even into March, which is mm-hmm. our norovirus season. And most of the times that people get ill uh, from being out in the public and whether that was related to the food or just a, a, a restroom or a yeah. tabletop, wherever they picked up that virus, uh, typically norovirus is the number one uh, offender and what people run into. And that's the worst in the, in the cold months. Mm-hmm. Kids are sick with vomiting and diarrhea. Yeah. Mom and dad get it. Food mm-hmm. workers are going to work with yeah. it, so it bacteria really sucks thrives the more in cold temperature, colder temperatures. I'm assuming is that part of the problem. I would have thought like July, yeah. you know, when it's hot. Yeah, but that's why you do mortgages. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Well, the, another question I, I had two other um, things to tackle, and one of them you just hit on, which was um, meat. For instance, I love my steak just rare. I mean, I almost want it just just red literally is that safe for people to do and and then furthermore is that something that's allowed from a uh i guess a testing standpoint when you guys come in you're always going to have a consumer advisory uh, on the menu whether you look at that as a Uh, consumer and see it it'll be listed under your steaks or anything that can be served raw or uh undercooked so for that medium rare or to rare steak that you want Mm -hmm. uh, the reason that that's more safe really uh to order it that way is because it hasn't been punctured uh, inside. It's a whole cut uh, uh, piece of meat. So yeah. when you sear the each side of that steak, that's going to hit that flat I top so of that grill right at, at five or six hundred degrees. If there was anything on the surface, that's immediately going to be killed there. Mm-hmm. So you don't really have to worry about the middle as much. I, did, I never knew that that was the re- yeah. reason. Now, ground beef, just the opposite. That's right. ground it's in. If there was yeah. a mistake or if E. coli got onto any of that surface, it's spread that throughout. That makes perfect sense. Yeah, so so your steak's a little more safe. You want to make sure you, you get your burger 155 at least, uh, medium to medium wells a little safer. Don't don't eat bloody burgers. I always say just, medium well just yeah. because I know that's what yeah. I've been Do doing. your kids eat meat Yeah, when they go out? That's a personal I, question. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, they do. But I've gone to restaurants where they would not serve my my uh, daughter, who was under 12, medium rare. No, mm-hmm. is, is that – so what, what's the rule on that? I mean, it wouldn't get that specific to an age cutoff, but it would not be a safe practice for – Period. It, yeah, they shouldn't ask a, a kid that's five or under, do you want your kid's burger medium or medium? No, it's but, cooked. But what about a steak? Uh, a steak? Um. But they you wouldn't know, serve. I mean, a lot. Yeah, of yeah, and I'd be okay with that uh, mm-hmm. with somebody. It would be more of the 
the, gotcha. the company's policy on yeah. that than, than the health department saying she, you know, we wouldn't be able to get in there. The advisory is on there. Yeah. You've been kind of warned that right. it will increase your risk if, if you order something yeah. undercooked. Uh, the, the susceptible populations, people who can get sick mm-hmm. uh, more often are the five and under or 65 yeah. and over. Yeah. So we really want to Sir, watch you look like you're 65 yeah. or older. Yeah. So, Mark, maybe you should not. I might, I might have trouble. No, I have one last thing to touch on. Do you who who is your all's uh, legislative bo- not boss? Is not what I. But where do you go for funds? Would that be like Tim Burchett in this case because it's Knox County, or Pretty, is that federal? Well, most most of our funds for the food right, program the, the and, new and our environmental programs are covered by our permit fees. So okay. we're able to work with the state, and we re basically take all that money back in for our budget, which is, is nice that we can sustain pretty much our program yeah. through our permit fees. I want to properly thank you uh, for coming in and also touch one last thing. Thank you so much for coming in. I really appreciate your the opportunity to speak to you. Um, and then the, what I want to touch on is make sure you guys understand that, you know, we need to, these resources. Anything you can do to advocate for Knox County Health Department, that's what we need to do. And whether that be writing your uh, senator or your, your mayor, whatever it is, because it's very important work. Thank you so much, Kevin. Thank you. We'll see you next time right here on the Housing Hour. That's the Housing Hour with Kevin Ray for today. Join Kevin and his guests each week at this time to keep up with the why and why not you need to know, so come here to find out. Also check us out at thehousinghour.com. This show is presented by Mortgage Investors Group.